Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This is Cynthia Cherish Malloran, Reverend and DJ Cherish the Love, and you are listening to Primary Food on Heritage Radio Network. Before I forget, let me tell you how to reach out to me and get my attention on social media, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, at DJ Cherish the Love. That's love spelled L-U-V and hashtag using primary food, heritage underscore radio, and the hashtag RevLove. Welcome to the season finale episode of the fourth season of Primary Food. David, where are those claps? Oh. Yay! <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> and what exactly is primary food? I learned this really great concept in nutrition school at IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, that the food you eat, you know, the stuff we put in our mouths and chew and enjoy, we consider that secondary food. Primary food is everything else in life that nourishes us before we sit down and eat. And that's stuff like enjoying music, reading a book, hanging out with friends, cooking food, having a great job, creative expression, playing games, exercise. And I'm so glad that I learned this concept because it was the high quality primary food that I kept in my life while going through chemotherapy last year that kept me happy and healing my cancer. So we are a few minutes late into the start of this program, but that's fine. We're just going to run with it and and be cool. And if you're listening live now, you can call in. Here's the number, 718-497-2128. Again, that's 718-497-2128. So Primary Food is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. So please help keep HRN, Heritage Radio Network, alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now, and I will love you forever. Totally need you. So today we're talking about art and music as our primary food and why it is so important, necessary, and healthy to have personal creative expression in our lives, how and why we make our art and who we nourish doing so. Um, But before I jump into who's here in the studio with us, because this is really awesome, um, and the people here are awesome too, but I have big news. Next month, I will be doing music work at an orphanage in Ecuador with Unfuck the World. So shout out to Micah Boat. We will both be, uh, we will all be making music with young children and teens for Unfuck the World Day, June 10th, 2017. So for more info, go to Unfuck, yeah, I'm saying Unfuck. (laughs) I am saying Unfuck. Oh, yeah. No censoring here. (laughs) Unfucktheworld.net. Now, I'm a DJ, and I'm entering the DJ slash producer world, so I'm still learning how to make uh, and that's why I have creative folks with me here today, because I need ideas, inspiration, and help coming up with a program for these kids. So, and that's why today's episode, we're going to find out uh, how to be creative and how people do their creative thing with two very cool New Yorkers in my world. I'm a New Yorker now? Yeah, I'm calling you. I'm the native, I'm a native New Yorker. You it. are officially a New Yorker, and I'm going to raise the mic so we can hear you nice and loudly. Uh, and wanna, we want to find out how you guys get your creativity on and how you serve the world with that magic. So I have sitting with me to my right is Cecilia Beck. Yes, hello. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little problem with the mic yeah, here, Yeah, just scoot like. your chair up a little okay, bit closer, yeah, and then you'll be able to get in. Perfect. <laughs> Cecilia Beck, who is, I'm considering you a New Yorker. Welcome. Thank you so much. Originally from Denmark, but who cares? You're, you're a New Yorker. <laughs> With us also is Tim Okumura. Am I saying that right? Please teach me. Yeah, that's me. ballpark. Okum- <laughs> Okumura, I say. I think my, the rest of my family pronounces it differently anyhow, so it's all... New Yorker <laughs> it's all also. Good. 
but we're all from like different backgrounds or so where we're going to talk about yeah. where we come from and how that influences and, and informs our art and what we do and everything like that. Cause yeah. So speaking of, uh, influences and backgrounds. So Denmark, tell us about your background, Cecilia. Oh, my background in Denmark. Well, um, where to start? You're Long a visual story, artist. Short story. Yeah, I studied art at the Art Academy in Denmark, the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts, and uh, that's what actually brought me to New York, um, where I studied at Parsons uh, at the MFA department there for a little bit, and then I just stuck around. But I'm also a musician. I do, do both uh, sound and visuals, so I've been playing music since I was a little kid, and visuals and sounds has always gone along very well in my world. Cecilia is going to supply us with music for this episode. We have a couple of tracks and maybe a couple of tracks live too. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens, which is great because uh, I have to make music with these orphans. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Let's talk about that. So we'll talk I'd about that. To give you in, some about, tricks. in about 20 minutes. Okay, go. <laughs> and Tim, what, your background, tell us where you're from. Yeah, um, I'm uh, from Canada originally. So it's uh, so I'm wearing an NHL hat right now since I'm a hockey fan, which is obligatory <laughs> if you're Canadian. It's the NHL playoffs right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I moved to New York in '91, so it's been a little over. It'll be actually 26 years in in August uh, that I've been in New York. So more than half my life, and definitely, uh, I think I've been through all the the tests that are required, all the uh, things that you circle to become a true New Yorker, like being mugged, being broken into, oh, you no. know, <laughs> prolonged battles with uh, utilities companies, you know, <laughs> everything that's uh, required to be a real New Yorker, rat invasion of my apartment at one oh, point, no. oh, oh, yeah. dealt with it all. So, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an incredible uh, journey from that point moving here and uh, happy to be here today. Thanks for having me. Happy 420 day, by 420, the way. 420, what's up? What's up? We just celebrated Perfect that earlier. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it. That's all we did. We yeah. just talked about yeah. it. Well, I've got some mints uh, that my friend in Cali sent me. So Someone can, in, the, you know, in the booth wants some. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can you know, freshen up with these later. <laughs> they're, uh, they're nice and mellow. <laughs> and, and with you, Tim, you have with you? I have my uh, wonderful intern, Cassidy, who's here hey, from, uh, just got here from England, although she's... Uh, from Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Jamaica. Yeah. And Jamaica. Yeah. Jamaican well, uh, Jamaica. By, yeah, yeah. by way of Virginia. And uh, <laughs> now going to school in London. And she reached out and uh, wanted to come uh, work with me for a month. And it's her second day today. And here we are on the radio. So. Oh, my God. Great second bonus. day. Yeah. Second Great day in New York. Oh, I've been here. I come here every summer. I've got family in New York. I just love the atmosphere here. It's way more exciting than Virginia. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna place. wave my wand. You're now a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a New Yorker here. You too. Bling. You and you too, Tim. Bling. See, she, she's, she's ordained. You know, she can, I have ordained you all as New Yorkers. Can, even you too, David. You can be a New Yorker also. Even though you're going to a ball game tonight and wearing that cap and not the Mets cap. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> He's waiting for that man. DJ Cherish the Love has the magic touch. I do. I have um, a New Yorker story. We can share a couple of New Yorker stories. But here's one that I think, you know, aside from being born in New York... East Village. I think this story makes me really, really hardcore New Yorker. I had I was in Chinatown and a pigeon flew into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. So was your mouth nice. open or closed? It was open. I was walking. So like the head and, of the pigeon okay, actually entered let me your mouth. Describe it. You're all visual here. And you have pigeons in London too. Yes, so uh, many. So many. So all we needed was one for this story. I was in Chinatown. It was very hot, and the second I open my mouth by this like food cart <laughs> alright so imagine <laughs> Cecilia's like I love when Cynthia suffers yeah, she loves it. so <laughs> I'm on Canal really Street <laughs> okay I'm gonna I'm gonna paint the picture so it's like you're here walking on Canal Street mad hot right food cart to my right <laughs> dudes eating food and I believe it was like some kind of like lo mein kind of street food they're eating. I'm watching them. I'm walking. The minute I open my mouth to yawn, here comes a pigeon's wing <laughs> into my mouth. It flew like up. It was like flap, flap, flap and went into my mouth. I felt the wing of the pigeon in my mouth. <laughs> and OK, so I turned I, I, and I could still remember like the oily, unctuous, like salty grittiness <laughs> of it. I turned and the dudes that were eating like stopped eating mid. They were just like food in their hands like, oh, <laughs> And one guy goes, oh, fuck. 
I ran my ass to Walgreens and gargled, but spiritually, oh I've never been cleaned. You gargled, you gargled in Walgreens? No, I spit out. Like, I was like, like, in the middle of Walgreens, opened some mouthwash. And I just... opened it online, and then I spit it outside, and I just, spiritually, I just never got healed by that. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't the pigeon's head. You know, like its mouth, like, you know, where a pigeon's mouth is yeah, going but into disgusting still things. wing. Yeah, I'd rather you know, have wing, though. It was salty. That's a, the part that yeah. I'm I got some strikes. I can tell you later. If there's a bright side to the story. <laughs> there was no bright side to the story, but I think I earned some kind of, like, gangster credit for that. Yeah. Oh, my so, yeah, New Yorker get, story, New Yorker story. Yeah. Let's hear on. Uh, on New Yorker story, I don't know which one to tell. Like, if it's a, a dog called Tonka playing piano. That's my or, dog. Yeah, that's your dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's yeah, my dog love. plays the or piano. <laughs> if it's like having, you know, there's so many things that happen to you when you're in New York. Like people pop uh, pills in your drinks, and like a, p- a dog plays oh. piano, and like nothing ever happened. Nothing really bad ever happened to me in New York, but I've been, you know, like it's well, pills it's in the crazy drink in the streets good, here. Uh, no, I know. Like, <laughs> it's not a good anecdote. <laughs> no, I'll take it's, a I'll take New a York, pigeon though. wing over a pill. Yeah, any day. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess I would. <laughs> I guess that I would too. Stinks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How about you? Oh, there's so many. There's so many. It's hard to, uh, I mean, most of most of my, like, I think my hardcore New Yorker stories usually involve crime of some kind. You know, like I had a, I had a break in in my apartment uh, a couple of years ago and they, it just was the one day that I wasn't home and apparently they come at like in the morning when everybody normally goes to work. But since I'm a painter, I'm, I'm usually just around the entire time. And it was like one time I think I stayed at my friend's house, just like random chance and they crowbarred my door open and they took uh they took my computers they took my um you know cameras i had just done a campaign for oh. uh, g-shock watches and g-shock had sent me all these watches i hadn't even worn yet oh my God. they were laid out on my table still yeah. in the containers and they, they just scooped them all up the cops came and they were like man it's probably best that you weren't here like they clearly got in with a crowbar and it must have been like two or three guys because they really cleaned Ooh. you out and they they took everything including clothing like I had a I had a selection or a collection of vintage like Letterman jackets. Well, you do dress nice. And then well, thanks for saying so. <laughs> like, like I'm going to steal stuff off you. Right, yeah. <laughs> but then like a month a month later, I see this guy walking in front of my house, and I look at this jacket. I'm like, oh, that's a cool looking jacket. I like that. Jacket. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's my jacket. No. So this guy was wearing my stolen jacket, and that's I so I decided wild. to trail him, and I was taking photos, and then I finally confronted him. And I was taking all these pics. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, no, my friend gave me this. It was a whole thing. It was, I was so, so dumb. And like, I called the cops afterwards. And they're like, you should have just called us first. And we could have got him for Oh, did you get your jacket property. back? Well, he offered to give it to me. And I was so salty about it. I was like, no, man, you wear it. You know, <laughs> looks good on you. You enjoy that jacket. I wouldn't, wow. want, I don't, I wouldn't want that person's, like, armpits. Yeah, like. I didn't want it back. <laughs> yeah, I just felt like it was tainted, you know. Yeah. And then I, I wanted him to feel guilty, like, while wearing the jacket. But uh, He'd be like, my yeah. grandfather <laughs> gave, my great, great, great grandfather yeah. gave me that. You yeah. took it. So That's, how how does how does being in New York influence and and kind of like inform your art and the art you art and music you create? Well, um, for me, it's just like you know, walking out in the street is always inspiring. You meet so many people. There's a new culture on every street corner. There's new interactions everywhere. People always talk to each other. So in my artwork, I'm always inspired by the people around me and the places I travel to. And before I came to New York, I was traveling all the time. And now I'm just feeling like I can learn so much from just oh, being people in travel the city. to you. Being yeah. in New York, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Describe your your art. Uh, your the medium you choose. Well, I do sound and visuals, and I work very like interdisciplinary with uh, very many different artists, and I do a lot of collaborative projects. Um, I work with sound and visuals, so yeah, I see sound and and light as you know two sides of the same coin in some way. Um, so I use that a lot in my artwork. We've we've worked together on a project. Yeah, PMS. <laughs> Yes, this project was called PMS. It is called PMS. It's not dead. It's, no. It's monthly. It's monthly. <laughs> it's monthly. <laughs> uh, uh, PMS, which stands for? Poetic Music Sisters. Poetic Music Sisters. Hey, there we go. Yes, so we performed at DRAM about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Mercury Lounge as well. Oh, sorry, Mercury Lounge. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah so um, we'll, we'll work on the next one. We're working on a house music track. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. No, you didn't know that. You know that now. Okay, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play along. I'm going to play along. <laughs> What's going on house music? <laughs> I think I sent you the picture. I have five of us working on this house music track, and we oh. all, all of us 
have our names beginning with C. Yeah. And I just think that's... It's pretty cool. Um, More magic. I think that's definitely magic. I think you could add a Cassidy in there. (laughs) There we go. Girl, you're in. We need some some British accent in there. I got you. Oh, (laughs) you you. got me. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to, like, actually record you afterwards on my phone because I'll sample that. Do you play music at all, Cassidy? Um, I like to dance a lot. I like to sing. That's good. I can... Tap on my leg. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm gonna need that later. We're gonna need that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have that extra serendipity. That's that's perfect. Yeah. And and you, Tim, New York. How does it inform your work? I mean, it's. Uh, I think my work's all about New York in a way. I, I think that as a painter, um, a lot of times, you know, people have said you're kind of a documentarian, and and I like that. I like that sort of position. I, I think that uh, you know, there's more of an emotional connection to everything for me obviously but uh, just the idea of documenting um you know some people that uh i i don't think had been represented um or had certainly been underrepresented in the history of portrait painting and, and realism um you know in 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 all the years leading up to this moment now where there seems to be sort of an explosion of it which is great but uh yeah for me it was about um you know, moving to New York in the early 90s, um, being completely in love with all aspects of what was happening in the city at that time, from, you know, graffiti to hip-hop. I was a big hip-hop guy. I'd, in fact, I had a hip-hop radio show in Canada, so I, oh, I left that to move sweet. to New York. Yeah, and I, uh, every, all the, you know, all the acts that I had loved and played on the show, you know, I was able to come see in concert in New York. Yeah. Like I said, graffiti, but then also on the flip side, going to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and checking out a Rembrandt in person for the first time in my life. I mean, absolutely uh, mind-blowing. And uh, and I think that's what New York is about, is that sort of, um, you know, real, like, diverse uh, set of elements that are all influencing you in one way. And they may seem disparate, mm-hmm. you know, at first glance, but you realize that they all kind of feed each other and they all coexist in the same place. So I think that that's influenced my work in a, in, in a you know, very... Uh, you know, very tangible way. I mean, you can see elements of graffiti, of of written language, um, el- uh, sort of even ciphers and codes sometimes in there, um, but also still like that kind of classical approach to portraiture, or, you know, at least grounded in that, the kind of work that you'd see in the Met. And then, uh, you know, just being in Brooklyn and just absorbing the culture and, and, and uh, above all, you know, meeting incredible people here and, and most of the uh, the people that have posed for me in the paintings over the years are all you know New Yorkers in, in one way or another some born and born and bred but uh, others from all around the world Denmark and uh, London and <laughs> Ecuador uh, yeah I mean a little, little bit of everybody from everywhere but it's certainly uh, the city is still vital to me uh, you know a lot of a lot of people kind of you know a little salty these days and say New York's been co-opted not as edgy but uh, you know I think there's Hell still a no, lot no it's very there's edgy I'll make it edgy here. right now yeah there we go <laughs> yeah, you're the one I using the same you. fuck <laughs> you're adding all the edge to this whole show that's me that's me I, I'm so um, in awe of the size that you work in because you paint typically people bigger than life size paintings right and they're so realistic so Cecilia your website for people who want to check out your work is, is nyc Sorry, dot com. <laughs> I was about to get my personal email address, sir. I'll take that back, <laughs> and then I just busted myself in doing it and gave it to you anyway. So hi, hi. No, so <laughs> At least it's just email. CeciliaBeck dot com, and that is c e c i l i e b e c k dot com. And Tim, your website where people can check yeah, out your current work. Yeah, it's just my work. name, TimOkamura dot com. I spell and, that out uh, for us. T I M O K A M is in Michael U R A, and that's my Instagram as well. And um, I'm I'm pretty good with Instagram, and the website's updated periodically. And Twitter, I'm not as good on, but uh, I'm I not try. about the Twitter either. <laughs> I try too, but you know, it's too much. So your paintings, uh, and you have some you have some going around now on tour at the Smithsonian, right? Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I, I have a painting in the uh, in a Smithsonian exhibition called the uh, the Outwin. Um, I think it's 2016 um, portrait competition. It was a juried show, uh, and I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of that because I think this year's show had a, had a really sort of strong um, theme of, of social consciousness in the work, and I think that they really included um, 
you know, a lot of work that's more challenging, certainly, that deals with issues that we're, you know, uh, obviously dealing with uh, on a daily basis of, uh, you know, racism, inequality and uh, and underrepresentation and, and, and those types of things. So I'm happy to be part of that show. It was at the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C., and now it's on tour around the country. I think it's in Portland, Oregon right now. Kind but, of um, a big yeah. deal. Uh, you know, again, feel very fortunate, and I have a painting in that show called "I Love Your Hair," which uh, has been a you know an image that uh, has gotten a lot of positive feedback. So I've been excited about that. These large paintings, how, how many hours goes into? It depends. It it you know it, it's hard to say, and and to be honest, like it, it depresses me sometimes if I keep track of hours. But uh, some things come together rather quickly, you know, over the course of let's say uh, you know a few weeks or like less than a month, and then some. Sometimes I, I'll start something and it'll hang around, and maybe it has problems that need to be resolved. Maybe I need to be thinking about it in my subconscious. But sometimes it'll be like a, it'll take me a year, you know, or more to get something done. So you work in oil. Primarily, or primarily oil. There, there are collage aspects. There's, uh, you know, I pull out the spray cans a little bit sometimes. Um, you know, a lot of mixed media stuff. But really, like the the flesh and the hair and the clothing is all is all oil. And I've always thought that there's a, you know, Lucian Freud always uh, had said that like flesh is made, you know, from oil. And uh, so well, I always I'm pretty kind of oily, that. so I could say yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so curious to hear about your selection process because you do portraits. So how do you select a person? I mean, what what is that process like? And then how do you start the painting once yeah. you select a person? You know, it's it's been I've really relied a lot on um, you know what we have going on here today, serendipity. I think uh, it's been a lot about energy and karma and. Uh, you know, meeting somebody, I think, that just has a, a you know, a certain, um, you know, intangible quality or, or energy or, or, you know, a very particular story that I find fascinating. And, and I think that, you know, portraiture is kind of a form of storytelling. So when you're doing a portrait of somebody, you are kind of like, mm. you know, without getting super literal, but it's like what that person is, what you see before you is really, uh, you know, the, the sort of, um, you know, result of their entire personal history you know, up to that moment and everything that they've gone through and the, you know, the lines you see in their face are indicative of, of things that they've uh, experienced in their lives. So I, I, I mm. think, again, energy, you know, huge part of it. And I'm very fortunate at this point to have uh, a lot of people that will email me uh, or hit me up and sort of want to be a part of the work. Um, and, and, you know, and they'll tell me their story sometimes. And, uh, and so that's been a way that I've, you know, been, been having models come in too, is people that have sort of asked to be a part of it. And that's been, been awesome. So I've, you know, got a, a really uh, great pool of people, amazing, you know, primarily I've been painting women, obviously, for the last uh, probably almost 20 years now, I guess. And uh, just amazing women, beautiful women, um, you know, heroic uh, women. Um, and, and to, you know, I guess do my little part to try to, to uh, sort of, like I said, document them in a, in a respectful way that, that captures uh, their beauty and resilience. Is that, what else do you try to pull out of, of a woman who's, who you're painting? Like, I, I think that I, I don't really have to pull much, you know, I uh. think it's kind of there. And I think that's sort of why they kind of end up being part of the work in the first place, because they're already resonating something. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, for me, obviously, spending hours and hours and hours and looking into somebody's eyes and, you know, really studying their face and analyzing and figuring it out. Yeah, like I discover more. Uh, on my own, but I think the key for me is like present somebody that has this sort of energy reflecting back out at the viewer. Mm -hmm. And so anybody else that's coming along to experience the work, you know, it, it may be at first glance this visceral experience of, you know, uh, here's a woman with, um, you know, this afro, and we look, we look nothing alike, and I don't think we're. You know, I can't really see that we would be alike in any way. But then to spend time with the painting and to spend time looking in the person's eyes and kind of absorbing some of the secondary elements that support the portrait and saying, you know what, I've gone past that initial reaction and I see more mm. and more of a connectivity. I see an aura. I see an energy there that I do get. And so it kind of flips that initial experience. I think that's you know important when that happens. I'm always happy when I hear about that. Um, or just, you know, the idea to, to experience another person. And, and again, with the, the portraits being life-size, I think that that can be part of it. Like you're experiencing a life-size image of somebody that uh, I've really tried to, you know, record and honor them as an individual, but um, also find metaphors for like the greater human experience through, through those models. It's really incredible. If I look closely at work, I just wonder, like sometimes I look and I think, do you work like 
three inches at a time? Do you work like eight by eight at a time? Because they're so photorealistic. Right. And the only way as a graphic designer I know to get something scaled like that is to grid it out. But yeah. I don't think you're gridding. No. Um, you know, for me, I have to work very holistically in the beginning. And I actually taught at Parsons as well, where oh, Cecilia okay. went to school. And yeah. I went to SVA. Where, where SVA went, grads, yeah. Where uh, Cherished Love went to school. This is all, yeah. so incestuous. All connected. <laughs> but uh, I used to tell my students, it's, you have to think of it kind of like building a house. You know, and there's the foundation, and there's the walls, and there's the roof. You know, the, the bigger structures before you can think about, like, what doorknob am I going to put on the front door? You know, you mm. can't jump ahead. So, so for me, it's the bigger structures, the bigger forms. And then the next pass, you, you get a little more into, um, you know, smaller secondary structures and refining those. And then the final pass will be, or, you know, the final few passes will be about detail and, and getting those, those little things that, that uh, are very specific to that person. And, and, and I think there's a lot of, you know, as they always say, you know, God is in the details. So I think the details are very important. Well, I love what you're saying about the details. And I love something you said a few minutes ago about lines in the face. You kind of make me like lines in the face. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, I think. But for yeah. those listening who are like obsessed about their crow's feet, tell them how awesome they are to paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that there's always a little editing that goes, goes on, but I think that part of what I've tried to do is tell a certain truth as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, uh, there's enough Photoshopping and, you know, all kinds of filters and things, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the rest of our lives. I think that, uh, I feel like my role as a painter and as, you know, somebody that, that works, you know, in a fairly direct way is, is to, to, honor that stuff and to capture that and to uh to capture the battle scars you know i think that's a big part of who we are i think a lot of people realize the you know the strength of your work you have some celebrity clientele uh, some people collecting um i'd be honored to have a piece one day in my life be amazing i actually would love to watch you watch you work i'm so curious like can you and you cecilia also like Mm -hmm. can you guys just jump into art making mode or is there like a you got to get into a headspace oh i need to like jump out of art making mode like i am in the art making mode most of the time like (laughs) if i have any like kind of emotions feelings i need to create like i need to to just get it out so cerebral for me dysfunctional (laughs) in the in in the regular world i mean i i I need to create artwork to to just uh to survive i guess I get really unhealthy and fragile if I don't. I mean, for me, it's it's every day, and so it's just like it's a way of life. People are always like, "Well, so what's going on besides art?" And I'm like, you know, for me, there is no besides art, and that's not saying like it's not a boast or you know a brag or anything. It's just like I just happen to to be in a position where I have to work every day mm-hmm. usually, and I think the last day I took off was in. Uh, February, I think mm. I took a day off, but, um, and that's just the nature of the beast. I have a show coming up, so gotta, gotta grind it out. But I think for people that, that want to do art and, and want to do something creative, you know, the one thing that I tell them as a tip is like, if you're working full time, you got kids, all this stuff, the key is just consistency. Even if you just carve out three, four hours on a Saturday afternoon, you tell your family, you tell everybody, this is my time to go into my mm. studio and you stay consistent with it. And you do it every Saturday afternoon. That's when you make your art, you know, three, four, five, let's say six hours. If you can get, you know, lucky enough to do that, let's say five, that's 20 hours a month. So after six months, that's, that's gold. 120 hours. Yeah. I mean, like after a year, you can actually have a body of work going. And that's with a full-time job, family, responsibility, all that stuff. It just takes the discipline to do that consistently. And that's why I tell people, make sure you just keep it up every time, you know, every week it comes around and you'll make progress. Now, Cecilia, you made a great point about what it feels like to not make art, that you feel frail. And I mean, both of you talk about what's it like if you, if you aren't making your art, if you're not expressing, why it's so important that we express and then who you're serving it up to and why it's important for them to receive it. Cecilia, <laughs> would, you care, <laughs> would you care to please. feel that? Do you <laughs> want me to take it first? Do you want a moment? <laughs> okay. Go, go into it. Um, why is it important? Why does it feel important to me? Um, I think that, you know, in my case, like I said, I, I do feel like, you know, it happened in a very natural way. You know, a lot of people sort of say, well, listen, you're not a woman of color and you've been you know, painting primarily women of color for almost, you know, two decades now. Um, I, I, I was attracted to, to painting people that I hadn't seen painted much before, certainly not in the way that I, that I try to paint. I was attracted to, like they said, their stories and trying to represent, you know, people that I thought were just super cool. And I never really thought about it ever being a contrived thing or it was never a plan. You know, it was just very natural 
progression for me. And I think as, as an artist, you know, you should be looking for stories that haven't been told before. Like, why would I want to do the same paintings and get trapped in the same sort of tropes that we've seen, you know? And, and for me, being a person of, like, mixed heritage, being half Japanese and half um, Caucasian, you know, British uh, ancestry, it, it's really, a, like, you know, I never, there never really was, like, okay, here's all the half Japanese people, like, go be with them. Like, it just, I was always an, an other, you know, and I was always friends with... Uh, you know, all these people that had all these different stories and I just didn't see art that that touched on that or touched on the other or touched on, you know, these compelling folks that, that just, I, you know, I, I couldn't go to the museum and see a painting of, of some of the women that, uh, mm. that I try to paint now. And, you know, that's not to, you know, blow my own horn or whatever. And I just think that those things are important to me and, and I've realized that over time as the work has gotten more exposure as more people ask you about it and as you get more feedback you know as I get like high school kids or younger you know even younger kids like writing me a note and saying thanks for making that painting of somebody that That's amazing. looks like me and amazing. that you know again like it brings tears to my eyes sometimes because I didn't think of that being sort of a reward you know I never mm-hmm. thought there would be a reward you just you can only control the labor I guess when know? did you start painting uh, I I really started like when I when I was young with my my father. My father was uh, kind of um, you know as a hobby he painted. You know he's a very practical minded guy, and uh, so it was never something he would have pursued as a career. But he he was a good painter. You know he's a good landscape painter, and he took me to painting lessons when I was about nine. Wow, wonderful! And uh, and I did that for a couple of years, and then I kind of I sort of turned into like a moody preteen at like around twelve or something, and <laughs> and then I was like, I don't want to go to painting, I don't want to paint, you know, for paint a couple, landscapes. yeah, for about oh, for about two. Well, I was actually painting. I my first ever oil painting was a horse's head. Just the my, head. Yeah, my parents still have was, this like horse's head. Was it like decapitated head. or just? Well, the it was kind of like faded away. You know, it was kind of like a vignette. And of uh, you know, I look at, it, I'm like, man, that wasn't bad for like a nine, ten year old kid, like a horse's head. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I I took a couple years off and then I went back again and then I, I just sort of realized like you know uh this seemed to be something that i was uh best suited to do so carried on with it well i studied painting as well that's that's what i studied when i went to the art academy in denmark and um yeah but for me i like moved around to different medias and now i'm like very you know i just work with very many different medias depending on the project i'm working on but what was your question initially? Like, what? Why we? Why we? so much no, we why, forgot. Why, what no, no, no. <laughs> why is it so important for you to create your art and to share it? And, and I mean, for me, it's like a way to ask questions or touch upon certain subjects. Um, I mean, I studied artist activism as a part of my education as artist well. Activism. Yeah, and and for me, it's like just to you know raise some questions and like create some like hopefully inspire people to create some discussions that might you know create some solutions for for some problems in the society it really depends that's an amazing phrase i actually don't know if i've heard that before art as activism that was a program you took or was it was not a specific program but most people that were like doing artist activism were studying at um, the department of walls and space in copenhagen oh fantastic i love that yeah, you want to do it? Yeah, I want to do that. Let's go do back it. in time. Let's do and trade my graphic design career for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the people who receive your art, mm-hmm. it must be nourishing for them too, because your art, just as yours is, Tim, it's very conscious, mm-hmm. right? And you have messages that go out. Like, how do people receive your work? You have a new album coming out in like I have a, a day. Well, right? it's actually it just came out. It's an EP. It's um, it's about um. I had a pretty tough year last year, so it's just like five songs about that period in my life, and um, I just came out with it. I didn't make a release party or concert. I just um, I didn't print any CDs. I just made an online release, and I hope it'll be helpful to people who are going through something similar. Um, you asked what we were going to play today, and I actually decided to not perform any of that because for me it's like, you know, when you create a song... You create it, when you write it, you create it, and then you produce it afterwards. But I feel like when you perform it, you kind of recreate it, and you recreate it. And this this EP, I kind of want to just leave in my past, get it out, hope that mm. it'll be received well, and then just let it be what it is. But I have some other songs I'd like to perform instead. Yeah, we have, we have a track. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, but we have a track, Lost, Now Found. 
Where, is that from your last album? That's from this EP. I was That's from this about. EP. Mm. Okay, should I play that or should I? Sure, go ahead. All right, so we'll do a little sample of that and we'll go to a break. Do a sample. All right, stick around. On the mirror comes off to disappear And the picture gets clearer every night It's like the air is crying There's no denial when I do the scrying It's right There's a man who falls to the ground there's a woman lost, now found There's a clock that won't go around anymore So when you rip the tape Hi, I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine? And how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese-American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese-American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes, feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese-American chefs, and try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cookie machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org. Cecilia, that was beautiful. Thank you. I think we need to... Hear some more from you, your artwork, which is in the. Well, let's listen to the. Well, you know a little bit about my artwork. Part. Do you want to? Do you want to do? How much time do we have? Do we have? Do we have one or two songs we can do? I think we can do two songs. Awesome. Okay, so I I was thinking about doing a song that I wrote actually a, a, a while ago, um, and it's kind of like an acapella song. Um, it's um, I'm gonna need some help from all of you though. Um, yeah, you got it. It's a song called "Burn the Walls." And um, it's related to what you were talking about before. I also used to be <coughs> interested in graffiti. Just interested. I used to be in bands, actually. I used to be a singer in bands. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh. So you want me to sing? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Now, now, I'll just now make a band. Yeah, now I'm like more of a percussion guy. So, but we're also... Gonna Are we going to do percussion right now? Give me a tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we have a tambourine? If we got a tambourine, I'm good. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I purse. thought it also would be. I've got my tin of mints. Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, that's great. That's my great. Because I, I need you. Oh, he said it. There it came. Okay, okay. Got out. Got out. Okay. Got out. <laughs> oh, I should have said. Those. Uh, so yeah. So let's try to. I, I would like you to help me okay. do how a do little do beat. You're going to be teaching me how to how to construct a song. Yeah, you can even like. These kids. Sn- yeah, I'll do that afterwards. Okay, um, what do we do now? I used to be a music director at, a, at some schools in the Bronx as well. Here we so, go. Yeah, so I'll definitely talk to you about that as well. But for this one, um, it's called Burn the Walls. It's actually about writing graffiti, but um, I thought these days it might be really nice to just, you know, burn the walls in general and just um, start communicating instead on cr- across the border. So if you could help me do... Um, little bead I'll do something with you and you can just pick like pick see if there's some um, the snap might be a little boring if we're all doing that together so if you could like okay. find you something else sna- I gotta find what well, about the, the mints you got, the, you got the mints okay do we have a pen do we have hey Cynthia I know DJ chairs the love I know you do a human beatbox okay can you oh, yeah. please please yeah. do that there she goes <laughs> is this okay. the right tempo yeah, it'll work. 
<laughs> I don't know about the mints. I'm gonna crawl up the wall. I'm gonna jump through the window, hit on the floor, and then I'll take a look around. One eye down to the holes in the ground, then I'll burn all the walls. Four walls down, I'm gonna go through the door, and then I'll burn all the walls. The same procedure as mentioned before, and then I'll go to the roof. I put my hands on my hips, make love to the view, and then I'll slide down a pole. No more cans in my bag, only left of us a stole, I'm gonna sneak. Through the yard, I'm all safe, but I don't wanna meet a guy. I'm gonna jump up on my bike. 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 The hood of dress on as a woman, I can see I'm gonna sing one of my songs. I'm gonna sing one of my songs. I'm gonna jump up on my bike Put off dress on as a woman I'm discussing gonna sing one of my songs I'm gonna sing one of my songs I'm gonna sing one of my songs I'm gonna sing one of my songs Wow, that just happened That just happened That's awesome That's great that's Thank awesome. you guys. I like the harmony. Yeah, that was great. I, yeah. You know, the, like midway through, it was like actually kind of like floating. It must yeah. be the mint. <laughs> well, you weren't breathing while you were beatboxing. No, I wasn't. I <laughs> another mint. <laughs> um, I love that. That's fantastic. Thank you. So, so I'm actually going to do perform this song um, as a part of a performance I'm doing with dancer Nora Stevens on Sound Dance in Williamsburg this Friday, 5.30 p.m., so come through, come out there and, and see the what date we've is? got. Just well, so it's know. this Saturday. I don't even I don't like. I live day to day these days. Like whatever, <laughs> we don't do, we don't do whatever calendar. it is. It's the twenty second. Amazing. Um, so yeah, let's make a song. You, know, you just out. inspired me because working with these orphans in a couple of weeks, I'm mm-hmm. supposed to end the two weeks there with a song or two, hopefully mm-hmm. three, that we're going to perform in a quasi concert with mm-hmm. everyone. So you have experience, like, making a song out of scratch. So maybe we could do that, the four of us, right here. Oh, right here, right now? Yeah, like, right here, right now. Uh, oh okay. No pressure. Uh, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> well, sure. What, what do we want to... Like, I think it's really... I think it would actually be interesting for you to do it with the kids at the uh-huh. place. Yeah. And just, like, talk to them. I mean, unless you're insisting on doing it now. No, no, I'm just getting. I trying to get. Ideas. We can do that. Yeah. We can do that. I'm pretty good at like making it. If you if you feel if you um, feel lucky right now. <laughs> it's not, it's not about luck. It's about like just receiving and just like getting it out. Are you, you receiving? No. So I I would actually think it was more like that's at least that's how I work. Like to just you know work with the kids at the spot and just talk to them about what inspires them and what they would like to do and just talk to them about how they get along with each other and you know bring some inspiration in it's really fun for kids to be involved in the process is this is this for unfuck the world yes it's for this is, this is which i find it curious you know there's kids involved i, I know, know. Who, who sort of brainstormed that it's, it's okay they're kids first, we want you to come their first language <laughs> help <laughs> unfuck <laughs> the world it's and, all right because know. their first, first language is not english it's okay <laughs> yeah maybe right nobody knows fuck outside of america <laughs> I mean, this is the whole creative process is what I wanted to, you know, get us all in on. Just like, you know, talk about why it's important to share it and why it's important that art gets funding and why art is important, period. That's part two of our show, probably, right? Probably. You know, I mean, we have five more minutes left, like last words on, on creativity and art. Go for it. Well, I think, like, just talking about the kids you were talking about before, I think it's really great to be able to be a part of a process and be a part of a community and be a part of um, creating something together. And, um, yeah, so so I think it's really amazing you're going there and involving these kids in, in the process. I don't know. Like with every project I travel for or work, start to work on, I know cognitively I'm going into something and I just never know how I'm going to come out. Yeah. Mm. And I always come out improved. Yeah. Like something 
I get some kind of enlightenment. Like this trip to Japan last month. Mm. I came back and I was like, I am not the oh same person. <laughs> I loved all the pictures. I'm not I was the same like there with you. Went, oh my God. But usually anything involving kids, I mean, it's, it's something True. that you know there's going to be some rewarding experience that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. You don't quite know how it's going to go, but yeah. you know, sort of, you know, kids anywhere in the world have that openness and that willingness and desire to, to create and to be involved mm. creatively. And, um, I've actually been asked, you know, very fortunately to be, um, to do uh, a show at, at, um, Massachusetts uh, Museum of Contemporary Art. They have a, an area called kids space oh. where kids can go into this, you know, art museum and a contemporary art museum can be a little intimidating sometimes, but there's an area for kids where they can actually get involved in art projects with, mm. You know, top uh, you know top artists. Um, mm. You know that that you know are very much recognized in their in their field. And this is not to give myself a, a backhanded shout out, but uh, you know, feel very fortunate to be included in that and to be able to work with kids. And I think that uh, you know it's important to foster creativity in, in you know in kids and in schools. And um, you know, there's even. Um, uh, there's a there's a website actually worth mentioning called DonorsChoose.org, mm. and uh, it's teachers around the country that are asking for people to help donate money because the schools aren't providing enough mm. art supplies, for instance, yeah. or music supplies, and so um, you know I was just able to contribute to that and help these kids get watercolor paints, mm. yeah, and they wonderful. all just sent me like little thank you notes. But I think you know it's the creativity that gets harder to hold on to as you get older, as you become an adult, as you you know even deciding to pursue that as a career, as a musician, as a DJ, radio host, uh, painter, that's where more and more the world tries to pull you away from that, you know? And it's like, you know, a good friend of mine in a documentary that I'm in said, it's like, uh, your creativity is like a little flame, you know, a little candle Mm -hmm. and the world's trying to blow it out and you're trying to protect it and keep it alive and keep it burning. I just got chills. And it's tough. (laughs) I'm going to cry. That's so true. (laughs) And so many of us in New York are dealing with that. So many creative folks that get to this, uh, stage, you know, where they're trying to make mm-hmm. it a career. And, and it's, you know, generally this society in this world is not designed to support that, yeah. you know, it's designed to support the nine to five, like stay in your place, stay in your lane, stay in your role. And yeah. you got to fight, you know, you got to fight to be a creative person. You got to fight to DJ and to make music. And there's definitely a lot of sacrifice, but then the world ends up being a richer place for it. I right? mean, it's really difficult to be an artist in New York City these days. It used to be diff- different in the past, I guess. But, like, I used to live in, as I said before, Denmark and in Berlin. It was so easy there. Like, you could create and you didn't have to think so much about actually surviving. But here it's it's hard in these streets. Oh like, everything gosh. is yeah. so expensive and there's no, you know, they're cutting all the funding to the arts. And luckily, I'm from Denmark and I have my support, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Today, uh, I got a little pat on the shoulder from the government in Denmark, but um, it's difficult to to like to live in New York and be. An, and when you hear what, what other governments are willing to do to support their artists, artists yeah. and creative people, and then you and then you, hear, you hear about ours. What, this guy that we got talking about cutting funding to the arts, you know, it's uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. It's a bitter pill. Well, to to kind of like kick back and resist. Do you want to uh, end with another song of yours? Let's, um, I was thinking about just, uh, now that we just talked about all the shitty things about this place, <laughs> let's do a little salute to New York City. I have a song called Heartbeat. Great. All right. We're going to end on that, but we're going to sing it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for having me. Again, Tim. And Cassidy. Thank Cassidy. You. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. And uh, David, we're going to perform a little song, and then, and then we're going to close. Give it, give it.
listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.